Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where someone demands that OP calls the cops, so OP calls the cops. Our next Reddit post is from Because Life Is. Many summers ago, I worked front desk at a regional headquarter of a multinational corporation. For a visitor to be granted entrance, they had to prove that A, they had an appointment, and B, they are who they claim to be. Now, the first part was easy. No need to show us your email. Just give us a name and we'd call that person to confirm. The second required some sort of ID, though. Driver's license, employee badge, something like that. Alternatively, your inviter would have to meet you out here and confirm to us that it's you in writing. Note that we didn't keep your ID. We just needed to put down your name and take a real quick glance of your face and photo. Most of our visitors had no real problem with this protocol. Some would voice their frustration, but still comply. Well, not this special guy. He got aggressive and demanded an explanation about the need for an ID when he was standing right here. He couldn't seem to grasp it however we tried, and he got increasingly louder. He didn't want the person who invited him to meet him outside because this is wrong. Security was ready to see him out when he screamed at us to call the cops because we needed to be arrested and taught a lesson on civil rights. Calls were made, cops came quickly, and he was escorted out in cuffs. <laughs> Turns out he already had a warrant. They just weren't in a hurry to get him. The icing on the cake was that he was here for a job interview. Uh, OP, you're just going to end the story right here? You're not going to tell us how it ended? Did he get the job? Our next Reddit post is from Moxisa. Recently, my quality assurance has handed down a new policy that we are not to use any abbreviations in our call notes whatsoever. Shorthand is not permitted. I work in a call center taking information for admissions of new medical clients. So the people reading my charts and notes will be medical professionals. The only abbreviations we use are those commonly known and in practice, such as IOP for intensive outpatient, ASAP, like who doesn't know that one, etc., which is itself an abbreviation. So I've adopted their rule to the letter. I write every single thing out that would typically be abbreviated. Sometimes the notes require that times be recorded. For example, I set the callback expectation for 10 a.m., in my most recent review, I got bad marks because of spelling errors. When I requested a review of my score, my supervisor told me that writing anti-meridium was what caused me to lose points. I kindly cited the new rule that required no abbreviations be used. My supervisor stated that he had never heard the term anti-meridium before. I explained what it meant, and it's the long, spelled-out version of the term AM. My score was amended to reflect that no error was made. Our next Reddit post is from Ice Arena, and the title is Cheeseburger with No Cheese. Yeah, I know, that's a hamburger. But try telling that to every single Mrs. After Church Karen a hundred times and let me know how much you want to press that point. A cheeseburger was 25 cents more than a hamburger at the fast food restaurant where I worked back in the day. Eventually, I got tired of being yelled at for correcting people and explaining that what they really want was a hamburger. This happened multiple times a month, mind you. I wasn't getting paid enough to stupid-proof hangry people's fast food orders. So, I started ringing people up exactly the way they ordered. At first, I'd ring them up for a hamburger because I knew that's what they meant. But then, I got chewed out by someone who read their receipt, so no more going out of my way to save people from their self-inflicted stupid tax. 
The first time I rang up cheeseburger, no cheese, the cook came up to tell me that I rang it up wrong. I just said, that's how she ordered. My dead-on-the-inside tone said all that I couldn't express in mere words, and the kitchen employees caught on right away. They never questioned the orders rung up that way again. It was a win-win. I didn't have to get yelled at for trying to save people money, and the restaurant made an extra buck fifty every month from customers ordering cheeseburgers with no cheese. I don't mean to brag, but sometimes the restaurant made a whole extra two dollars a month thanks to me. It was a little thing, and petty, but it made my retail-weary heart a little glad. Our next Reddit post is from OK Ganesh. Eight or nine years ago, I was a baker at a popular fast food chain in my country. I had always been a model employee, so one day, I was surprised the manager asked me into her office. She reprimanded me because I had taken a 45-minute break instead of a 30-minute break on the previous week. I remembered that day, and indeed, I had taken more than a 30-minute break. 31 minutes, to be exact. And that was because when I was on my way back from my break, someone had a concern that I took the time to resolve. I explained that to her, but she was adamant that the system rounded to the nearest 15 minutes, and that if it said 45 minutes, then there was no way I could have only been one minute late. She made it clear that it was my fault, and the punch system is law since it can't lie. On my next shift, I looked into it. On the punch system, there was a way to see what time you punched in. I realized that the system wasn't rounding to the amount of time that you worked, but rather the time at which you punched in. What happened that day was I punched out at 10.22, which rounded to 10.15. Then I got back 31 minutes later at 10.53, which rounded to 11 a.m., hence the 45-minute break. Now, in my position, I had the luxury of choosing when to go on break as long as they didn't run out of anything during that time. From that day on, I made sure to go on break just after the cutoff and back just before the next one. For example, I punched out at 10.08, which rounded to 10.15, and then back in at 10.52, which rounded to 10.45. Thus, I ended up with a 44-minute break, which according to the system was only 30 minutes long. One time, a supervisor told me that it seemed like I was gone for a bit longer than usual. I replied that she saw me punching in and out, and that she could go confirm in the system if she wanted to. I never heard from her again after that. Our next Reddit post is from Meekly Enthusiasm. I'm a second-year veterinary student. This is when we start our live surgery labs. We work in teams of three students, a surgeon, an assistant, and an anesthetist. Also, we're obviously overseen by certified specialists and many experienced vet nurses as well. We have lectures from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. Lunch is 11 to 12. Our lab begins at 12 p.m. sharp. However, we were told that we have the option to come to lab early and begin. It became very clear after the first week that this is an expectation, not an option, that we skip lunch or eat during the lecture and come straight to the operating room. During one lab, at 11.50 a.m., the anesthesiologist yelled at a student for a few minutes in the pharmacy area while getting drugs for lab for not having his patient ready and waiting in the induction room. And this is 10 minutes before lab even begins. And this group wasn't scheduled to start working until the last wave, which is normally like one hour later. There is no reason to be one hour early if your group is in the final wave. 
Being on time is sufficient, and actually, they were still early. Our class has been getting berated by this anesthesiologist as well as some of the surgeons in this lab. For example, a student surgeon asked for help. A surgical resident came over from another patient to help, and now she wasn't sterile. The resident told the student that she was holding her forceps wrong and then grabbed them from her hands. Then she made the student leave her patient on the table to re-scrub, re-gown, re-glove, and open a new instrument pack. All because the student wanted to ask a question. This is a common technique they'll use on us when we've done something wrong to get us to remember it next time. Well, the entire class was fed up with this. Our class called a meeting about it, and we decided that we were all going to start showing up to lab five minutes early instead of an hour early. Not for petty reasons either, but it's a matter of patient safety as well. Several students have actually fainted from skipping lunch to go and operate instead. We were given 11 a.m. to noon for lunch, and we were going to take all of our time. So that's what we did. At 11.40 a.m., one of the surgeons came to our lecture hall, where the majority of us stay and eat lunch, and asked us why we're not in lab yet. A student at the front of the room simply said, Lab begins at 12 noon. The surgeon gave us this long spiel about professionalism and how we're being inappropriate and putting our patients at risk, and she left. The operating room is a two-minute walk from the lecture hall, so we finished lunch and all showed up around 11.55. The clinicians were very mad about it and reported our class to the dean, and so the dean called a school-wide meeting about it. Some of our classmates spoke eloquently about our reasons and our actual patient safety concern, which turned it right back on the clinicians who were citing patient safety. Also, this school claims to care immensely about student mental health, since this profession has one of the highest unaliving rates and our own class even suffered a loss. And cutting our break time and our lunch is no way to support that. Beyond that, the schedule says that we begin at 12, and we're still showing up a few minutes early to ensure that we can actually begin at 12. Ultimately, the dean just released a statement saying they can't force us to begin lab an hour early, and we'll start at 12 when the dean's office scheduled lab to begin. It's a small win for us, and certainly we will face backlash, but at least we have a break to eat now. Our class is known for not putting up with BS. We got a dinosaur of a professor fired for racist comments that she made to a student in the middle of a lecture. That was after she had terrorized students at the school for decades because she forgot that our lectures were automatically recorded on Zoom during COVID. We're now hated by clinicians, but at least the classes behind us are having a slightly better time. Man, I'm going to be honest, I don't know how vets do it. When my brother's dog was nearing the end of her life, um, he hired a vet to come and give her a, um, an end-of-life shot in his home because he wanted the dog to be as comfortable as possible. And so the vet arrived with an assistant and administered the shot. And, geez, my brother was weeping. I was weeping. My other family members, like my mom was there. She was weeping. The vet started weeping. The vet's assistant started weeping. It's such a, it's such a mentally and physically and emotionally draining job. Vets have all of my respect. Our next Reddit post is from Rudy Mental. This happened to me a few years ago when the COVID lockdown was serious. My mate tested positive for COVID, so I did the proper thing of canceling my holiday and isolating for two weeks. 
This was right at the start, before self-testing was available, so I just followed the guidelines. It was a very cold two weeks, so cold that at some point, the adhesive on my parking permit fell from the windscreen into the footwell. When I finally return to the world, I go to my van, and I see a parking ticket for the previous night. My van hadn't moved in two weeks, and the same parking attendant every day, just following the rules, hits me with a $75 fine. I call the company up and get them to check their payment record. My $25 a month permit was up to date, and they have my vehicle details. They told me the rules on the signs are clear, and if you don't display a ticket, you will receive a fine. No ifs or buts. I tried to fight it further and further, going nowhere. With my stubbornness, it ended up costing me nearly 200 bucks. Then it dawned on me. If they're not checking a system and just looking for a permit, then why am I still paying for it? So I called up and canceled my monthly renewal and kept hold of the permits. That was about 21 months ago. It's so bleached from the sun that you can hardly make it out. But it's valid in every way that matters to the parking attendant, and I keep saving an extra 25 bucks a month. Down in the comments, we had this story from Frisbee Terrain. When I was doing my graduate certificate, I had to travel down to Sydney for a week. I decided to ride my motorcycle down. For most of the week, I left my bike parked at the bed and breakfast because it was easier to walk to my course. However, on the last day, I rode my bike to the college because I had all my gear packed and ready to go home straight after class. I parked in a metered parking space and went to get a ticket from the machine. There was a parking cop sitting on the curb having a smoke. When he saw me, he told me not to bother getting a ticket because there was no place to display it. I walked behind a hedge that separated the parking lot to buy a ticket. He couldn't see me, but I could see him through the hedge. As soon as I was out of sight, he walked up to my bike and got his ticket book out and started to write a ticket. I quickly ran around the hedge and showed him the ticket that I had just bought, which showed the timestamp before he had started writing the ticket. I told him that I'd keep the ticket with me as well as his name to fight a ticket if I got one. He wasn't happy, but what could he do? Our next Reddit post is from Middle Pound. This happened yesterday. I teach at a public school. Occasionally, in the hallway where I teach, there's an overwhelming sewage smell. Normally, it's an inconvenience, but not so drastic that we have to move rooms. Yesterday, it was the worst I've ever experienced since I started teaching at this school. Teachers immediately tried to move their classrooms. One of them moved to the principal's conference room, and for the gist of it, our principal was livid that her space was invaded. We received an email stating that we are not to move our classes without notifying our supervisor, which seems logical. However, the email went on to say that we're not allowed to leave our classroom at all, to walk, visit another classroom, etc., without speaking to our supervisor or the front office. I was absolutely fired up when I read this email. I wanted to make her regret sending it as quickly as possible. I notified everyone in my hallway that they should be calling the office every time they needed to use the bathroom. I encouraged as many teachers as possible to constantly be calling to notify of their movement around campus. Within four hours, I had called the front office four times, once even just to let them know that I was walking down to the front office. Most of the teachers in my building called a couple of times. Once, when the main receptionist was on lunch and another support staff was covering for her, I called to let them know that I was going to the bathroom and the woman on the other end sounded so confused. 
Do you need something? She awkwardly asked. I explained that, according to the email, it was expected for us to notify the office of our bathroom breaks. She chuckled and told me to have a good time. Within three hours, we received another staff-wide email explaining, okay, some clarification, and that we should not call the office if we have to go to the bathroom, have a stroll on campus, or visit another teacher's classroom. I walked down to the office later that day with the biggest grin on my face, and every support staff knew exactly why I was so happy. We all had a good laugh. One of the support staff told me that the principal said, I didn't mean it literally. But if you're going to put something in writing to a group of professional educators and be aggressive and rude about it, you better know exactly what you're saying. Well, I'm pretty sure the principal did mean it literally. It's just once it occurred to her what literally actually meant, she looked stupid. So now, well, I didn't mean it literally. What are you, silly? That was our slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.